Welcome to iPodcast Magic Missile, where we play games and talk geek. Broadcasting every week from the New River Valley in the beautiful mountains of Southwest Virginia, we bring you audio from some of the most exciting games, new and old. No actual wizard spells here, just actual play from great games. This is iPodcast Magic Missile. This is Dave. <clears throat> this is Will. This is Duncan. This is Joanna. This is Yanni. This is Caitlin. And we are iPodcast Magic Missile. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I don't have anything interesting to say. Of course, I've ruined it forever for everyone. Yeah. Yep. That's, uh... Yeah. I only want to say interesting things when I'm unsure if they will be recorded for posterity. <laughs> if I know they're not, or I know they are, there's no point. It's Schrodinger's uh, podcast. Schrodinger. <laughs> I may or may not be recording right now. <laughs> no, I may or may not believe you. <laughs> I may or may not be sick of that scientific metaphor. It's a great metaphor. It's a cool it is not metaphor. A metaphor. It's over you. <laughs> it's not as overused so as the gambler's phallus. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used a gambler's phallus. <laughs> oh. Well then. Well, I can immediately see sometime. what it is. <laughs> you don't know what setting it's in. <laughs> you have no idea. It's gonna work one of these days. <laughs> So, I actually wanted to ask you about something. So, you ran a game of Apocalypse World for a bunch of people that had never played anything other than, like, basically D&D, and I guess mm-hmm. you're playing All Flesh Must Be Eaten? Theoretically, we were. Mostly, we just rolled D10s occasionally, and nothing happened. <laughs> uh, so or someone would, like, uh, fail on the fear chart and fall unconscious, um, <laughs> or run away, or just refuse to go in a room. Um, what was it like, what did you do, and what was it like, like... Exposing someone to completely sort of um, different type of gaming. It it took a lot of effort to get any seriousness in at all. Like people were uh, going like, "What the fuck is Luxware? What the hell is Signatureware? What does this mean? What does that mean?" Um, I think it might have been a little less confusing if the Maestro D did not have a misprint and have. Uh, signature wear on it twice, or no, oh. display wear twice. It, it had one thing twice. I was like, why do I have this twice? And um, oh. yeah, <laughs> well, it's like that's just a misprint. Don't don't sweat it. Um, there was there's how definitely did, a like, lot how of. Did, how did you introduce the game to them? How did you broach it to them? Um, I I just said you know hey this is uh, Billy asked me to do a a one shot so I'm gonna run. A little apocalypse world. I've been having a lot of fun with this, and it's a little bit story game. It's not as crunchy, so if you're really digging the moving the minis around the map and rolling tons and tons of dice, you might not be happy with this. But I like it, and we'll see if you guys like it. And um, for the most part, I think they did. They figured it out after a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, took a little getting used to. I had a really hard time getting the driver involved uh, as much as I would have liked. Though when we left the session, they were driving away from a cybernetic cult called the Brood, who had hit the back of his van with Molotov cocktails, 
um, and the van was on fire. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good cliffhanger, right? Yeah, that's a great yeah. way to leave a session. So, so we're, we're going to start off with the driver driving and everybody else uh, inside kind of panicking and whatnot. Um, they they only have two guns in like between the five of them. I, I really <laughs> that's like, better. I really like the fact that the, 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 only, the only hard playbook you guys have is the, uh, the touchstone in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a, what is a Maestro D a Skinner a driver uh, a touchstone and an operator an operator that's awesome um, the the Skinner is basically skinned as a assassin as and the operator's uh, gigs are surveillance murder and Skinner gets uh, Skinner playbook is the one with double with a double with a knife, right? Yep. Yeah, I assume he, he's got the one that is infinite knives, and they had a lot of fun <laughs> talking awesome. about how like he's got infinite knives. <laughs> um, and yeah, I can see how D and D players would take that very literally. <laughs> what what is what is that move? Um, so double with a knife means that you can roll hot when you're doing aggro or seizing by force with a knife. Rather mm-hmm. than hard, so rather than hard, and, and so it's the Skinner. Mm. So it's like you know you're they're very finessey, you know you're very sexy with it, but the like what uh, one of the standard equipment apocalypse world is just like knives, infinite. Yeah, okay. Throwing knives, infinite. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's that's just like that, that's you have okay. enough of them. It's not, a knife is attached to your hair. Not dissimilar mm-hmm. to how bullets are attached to guns. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's there's no ammo stat and. Apocalypse World and thank God and actually that's one of the, the well, things as a hard move you can make them reload or run out of ammo but that's oh, an sure. yeah yeah um, one of the things I least liked about All Flesh Must Be Eaten was it's bookkeeping oh. was going to be a thing mm-hmm. and that just no longer excites me I'm super excited when I was when I was 12 I loved like Going through the store and the D and D book and like filling out all the equipment I had and you know that's definitely one of the fourth edition did right is basically getting rid of ammo and like throw weapons always returned your hand conveniently <laughs> like uh, uh, Gamma World's ammo system I think is is kind of brilliant you I love that shoot it's the once, same kind of narrative ammo yeah and you you you're fine you're conserving ammo shoot twice. Or shoot infinite times. Uh, <laughs> you're going to use it all up by the end of the scene. Um, and you know, people, people. When when I was trying to run a Gamma World game, they were complaining about that and wanting to bring in Real packs rules, yeah. to fix it. And I was like, "It's not a fix." I wasn't complaining about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so people I have is people that look at the rules and be like, "That's not realistic," and they hack the game before they've even played it. Like that's the other reason that I'm always like. The first time we play something, we play it as written in the book. We can always hack it later, but until you know how it plays and what's broken and what works, you know, because often you end up just breaking the game, and then you wonder why it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I spent all the time keeping track of my ammo, and we kept running out, and I needed more shotgun shells, but all we had was... Yeah. Um. So it was fun. Everyone yeah. enjoyed it. I had, I had a good time running it. I think it went pretty well. Um, I've got a few story hooks in, and um, definitely it is is too party friendly. I'm gonna have to work to drive some wedges in because uh, they're just like they're, working they're together a as a team. Yeah. Well, the, but did but you, did you start out with a lot of NPCs or no? Um, 
I've got like twenty or so by the end of the thing. Okay. Um, so you have, you have some opportunities. We, we, to we actually did it. have a point where the touchstone was telling the driver what to do when the. Uh, we've actually only had one person go into the maelstrom so far. That's the touchstone, and like her maelstrom is everything uh, is this perfect vision of the future where everything is chrome and uh, (laughs) it's the future, and and that is what she is aiming for. And uh, so, but she can also kind of see stuff where everything is clean and sterile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, though also everybody has like little pendants that kind of give off a aura of of what they are, um, and so like the burn cult, everybody was on fire when she was in the maelstrom, and so she was actually able to see the ambush over the oh, over awesome. the trees and around the corner before they got to it, which is and, perfect for a touchstone too. And then so she used I think it's towering presence to tell the driver to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> That's never worked before. You will turn around. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll shoot, shoot me. Huh? <laughs> didn't just shoot her. That's never It's a party before. game, remember? And also the driver doesn't out. have a gun. Um the You just stab her. Puncher, <laughs> puncher. I'm not yeah. sure I'm not sure he has any weapons. He's got a fist. I think there's two weapons in the group. The the operator has a nine millimeter. Billy's got infinite knives, and I think someone else has a gun. Oh, one of the NPCs who came with them, the head of head of the Maestro D's casino's security, has got like an AK forty seven or something, um, and that's it for guns. Oh, and the, uh, <laughs> casino also sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, there, the the currency is dice. Oh, um, that is with, awesome. with sixers being basically the penny because six siders are more common. Yeah, um, and gamers are all rich after the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> but not as poor apocalypse world players, no. <laughs> and I got I got a bucket of pennies gamers. here. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna run another one Monday, and then either. We're going to lose a couple people and switch over to Besom, or I'm going to convince Billy that uh, using the end of the world AW hack is a good idea, or just running it straight. I mean, I'll let him borrow my book. I, I'm, if, I can, if I can convince him, I might just buy him a PDF of it and be like, here, you, you have this religion. Because it's my understanding he was trying to get a friend of his at college to print out Besom at the computer lab where they could do it for free. It's no longer in print, right? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, right. I remember um, looking for it just to look for it. You can I've, find like old used copies for like $800 on eBay. I found, <laughs> I found a copy of it for 25 on ABE Books. Well, that's um, not too bad. Yeah. That's yeah. like, it's reasonable. like a game price. Yeah, it's like a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably actually less than the MSRP. You know what's really amazing to me is like the different price scales that we think for things like it's it's nothing for somebody to spend seventy dollars on a brand new computer game, mm-hmm. but the idea of like unless it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't pay for colonial space marines or whatever the aliens, you know, colonial <laughs> marines. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you could pay me to take a copy of the game. I wouldn't play it. <laughs> uh, I was actually talking about uh, SimCity. It is oh, the newest yeah. Aliens game, and it is oh that one. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen. I've seen screenshots. It's, it's had yeah. it's had a it's rough time. Like it's had <laughs> <laughs> a rough time. I, I've I've heard bad things about that too. Yeah. But well, it clearly wasn't. Like, 
the the commercial I saw on it for t- for it on TV was just so bad. Oh my god! I was like, did we just like go through a time warp when we're in like 1995? <laughs> I, I remember seeing better graphics than this in like Final Fantasy. It's like the old um, Unreal Engine where everything's just shiny. I mean, it, it looked like it looked like <laughs> someone had taken Counter Strike and spent about 30 minutes uh, chopping some skins on. It, um, yeah, one of the strange things about it is that Gearbox did this, and they did both uh, Borderlands and Borderlands Two, which are both really excellent, but fun games. Yeah, they also did some other terrible games. Yeah, I, I, yeah, like they're real hit or miss. But I just I figured they were on the upswing. <laughs> you know, but so, so it's a gambler's fallacy. This is Dave talking with putting his game industry hat on here. Often, uh, especially large studios, will have multiple teams. And often you have like one team where everybody's on the same page and everyone works together really well, and you have another team where, well, how did that happen? <laughs> and you know, and, and it really depends. Like the, the the design talent, the the concept artists, the um, the programming you know team. If you if you have your if you have like some really great tech artists or some really great programming leads, you can get a lot done. If you just have some people that don't really know what they're doing, you can just flop around like a half-dead fish out of water for three years, and then, well, we spent $20 million on this project, we have to release. So, whatever you have, <laughs> let's get a press to disc. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I just, I was just curious how that went, and I'm glad that you... I'm, I'm, I'm excited, I'd kind of, I'm not really fancying running basically three nights yeah. a week because I'm also doing a lot of running for the Pathfinder um, on Tuesdays and so that would be Monday, Tuesday and Friday running games uh, <laughs> and that, that might be a little more than I'm really really wanting to do only High Cove can do that and stay sane oh, <laughs> on Tuesdays he uh, didn't have whole lot of prep no that's true it, it was certainly well, a lot. Didn't Blake do all the prep? Yeah, did, Blake did all the prep, but I mean, yeah. it's not easy to, to DM even if you've got all the prep done. But still, that's I mean the that's same thing that I'm doing with Pathfinder is. Uh, it is. Yeah. Adam it is. sends me an adventure on Saturday or Sunday, and I read it. it hopefully it, that night. It's still <laughs> just a ton of cognitive load. I think yeah. I think I'm seeing your DMing just takes a lot out of you as a person. You know, it, the better sessions are the ones where I'm just like. <gasps> <laughs> I say it's definitely less so with something like this. Yes, like, that's it, absolutely it, true. It's, it's, it's more directorial than juggling, if that makes sense. Because um, in a D and D game, when the players are just talking amongst themselves, it's like wasted time. In these games, it's like this is when character happens and story yeah. happens. So it's like you can sit back and actually enjoy what's going on rather than sitting there like, "Come on, guys! Come on, that, guys! I have a module to get to." That said, <laughs> in, in uh, of course, this doesn't work in a module, but in a home game, one of my favorite things to do is so I've presented the players with a problem, and I've thought of at least two obvious, uh, and I'm using air quotes because I mean obvious to me, not necessarily actually obvious <laughs> ways around it. And so then the party goes and starts talking about how they're going to get through it. And I'll listen to like them throwing out ideas. And you know maybe I'll nudge here and there. But mostly I'll listen and I'll try and find the idea that they've done that I think is the best. And then I'll let them keep talking for a while. And then eventually I'll be like, okay, you guys need to make a decision now. And if they pick the idea that they came up with that I thought was the best of their ideas, then it's just going to work. 
you know, even if it's not the idea I originally had. Um, well, I mean, whatever the, the the key is, whatever the players decide should work with some effort, because otherwise they just wasted an entire session doing nothing. Yeah, except it's D and D, so that's not necessarily true. You can make it true. Still, <laughs> <laughs> that actually brings. That's up all using like AW style thinking but, about so things. Here's, like, so here's actually, so here's actually that's the second problem. thing that I kind of wanted to bring <laughs> up today, because I've been thinking about because remember I, last time I said I think. I wish some of the stuff they bring over into like the new D and D, some of the stuff not just Apocalypse World, just some of the stuff the indie games have gone through. And I was thinking of like what are the design principles that modern gaming has that D and D at least three five Pathfinder doesn't. That that, that the sort of the things that have made this quantum leap for why I think is a quantum leap forward. And fourth edition does some of this, and the things that I could think of, and the obviously everyone says is make failure interesting, like. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. roll. Oh, uh, you don't climb the wall. Now what do you do? You know, I roll you again. Secret door. <laughs> I roll yes. again. Yeah, try again. I wait um, ten minutes and I try again. <laughs> the second thing, and it's also a thing that people say a lot, is the make the rules about what you want the game to be about, because ultimately the game will be about whatever the rules are about. D and D is ultimately about uh, we're on a quest hooray for us. It's a party game with a bunch of adventurers on a quest because that's what the rules do. You go into dungeons, you kill things. Mm-hmm. You take their stuff. And then buy things so you can go into harder dungeons and kill mm-hmm. things and take their stuff. This is actually a, a, a work, totally workable model. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. If that's what you want the game to be about, that's what it's about, right? And it, it is. is. <laughs> and it is. But I was thinking that there's two other things. One is you encourage the players to... Um, do things that forward the type of story that you want. So, like, I was thinking about what were good examples of this, and a really good example of that is in Dogs in the Vineyard, which I haven't played, but I really want to. I own it. Um, you start out with a pool of dice that represents your ability to sort of like manipulate people. Often, it's what your your, your station. You know, you're a religious police, so you're you're afforded some weight. Um, your personal sort of regalia, your your whatever, if you flash a weapon, this and that, the other thing. But but ultimately, your your personal qualities. You, you have this pool of dice, and you you know you have to go into this town, and these people have a problem. They're misbehaving. The women are getting uppity or something. And uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And um, you are Mormon religious police in the old West, in, a, in a fictional old West. Um, and you have to tell people and convince them to do the right thing. So, but sometimes you roll your small pool of talky dice. And they're winning. You could have some more dice if you're willing to hit them. <laughs> so you're tempted to do the thing, to make the ambiguous moral choice, to send it to fisticuffs. But say you're fighting and you're losing. Can you draw a weapon? I was about to say, you could have some more dice, but you could have to draw your, uh, your gun. <laughs> and go to shooting, <laughs> and I think that's 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 a really great to me. That's that's one of like the classic examples of the mechanical incentive. I mean, highlighting stats is the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you give people the incentive to do the thing that you want to see in the fiction. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing that I think actually some games do even better than Apocalypse World. And the last one I was thinking of in my head was, um, think win win. Right? It's not just make failure interesting, but I love the fact that in Dungeon World, the way you get experience is by blowing rolls. <laughs> so either you succeed, or you get XP. 
in um, uh, Monster of the Week. I love the manipulate someone roll because if you manipulate it on their PC and you make your roll, they get XP if they do it. If you blow it, they get XP if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the touchstone in the the game we played Monday got the share your vision mm-hmm. with two people, and I, I went ahead and ruled that she basically had because she's got hold three. She can spend that one for one on either, on either of, them. of them. So it's it's not going to be symmetrical. She can't give both three. Uh, she's only spent one so far. I'm just like letting her hold that because her her vision was you know come and help me make this the the maestro d the the casino owner the leader in the new world uh, that's perfect and awesome and everything. Um, Gross. And so she convinced them to come on the mission. Uh, <coughs> so. But I mean that. But yeah, that's the thing. Is this, it's it's no matter what the outcome is. Something not only does something interesting, but someone benefits, which I think is great because it, it, you can always benefit the player in the meta, even if you're hurting the character and vice versa. So I punch you and you get HX with me, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But or I heal you and I get, you know. So I'm spending something for you, but I get something in return. So that those were like the four things that I could think of that sort of are different. That maybe fourth edition does to some small extent, but like, can anyone else think of anything that? These game, the games that you play, because now you've all played, most of you have played a lot of these type of games that, that like, sort of the OD&D, traditional D&D doesn't do. In Apocalypse World-based games, I feel like the characters come with a strategy. Like, the, you know, the characters come with a, this is what this character is up to, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so in, in the Iron Kingdoms RPG, this is interesting, this is one of the things that I think is cool about it, although they don't really go all the way into it. But in the Iron Kingdoms RPG, uh, you can get character abilities where when other players are following your plan, then everybody gets a bonus to a thing that your character's good at. You stole that from me. And, you know, <laughs> since, that's, since that's a thing that uh, hack and slash RPGs do, is you sit around and discuss how you're gonna assault this dungeon for half an hour, and then you assault the dungeon... It makes that segment of the thing actually mechanically... Yeah, exactly. So the rogue is like, I think we should sneak in. And you know what? Everyone will be better at sneaking in if they agree to sneak in like he wants. And the warlord is like, I want to like beat it with a hammer. And everyone everyone will be better at beating it with a hammer if they agree with the warlord (laughs) to beat it with a hammer. That is a a really good You actually sit around talking more or less in character. That is... If if they were to leverage this mechanic harder, they don't really leverage it that hard. But but it's it's like they saw this flash of something brilliant. Yeah. And if they had just carried that through the game, like, mm-hmm. is there anything else that people so can th- think of that's? I, I just want to say I did the same thing in my increasingly misnamed D and D campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, the paranoia aspect. The team leader had a daily power. Uh, of course, this is kind of mixing games. That <laughs> if he came up with a plan that had something for everybody in it, while the party oh, was doing like that plan, uh, they would get plus one to their rolls for solving the plan. So you have um, to like plan the Ocean's Eleven style heist, so yes. everyone has a role. Yes, That's that right. was that, was, <laughs> and um, of course, since I was using paranoia as the basis for giving out the powers. Uh, and I gave them the MR, the mandatory bonus duty determination test 
uh, to determine who was what role. The person least suited to it was in the team leader role. Um, because that's, <laughs> that's how, how things how work. Really works. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> well, fabulous. really, you pick the person most suited to all the other roles, and whoever's left gets the team leader. <laughs> what? <laughs> like in real life. Um, yeah. People yeah. fail upwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you've so. that theory, right? That that people keep getting promoted until they're until promoted they're to a point, point of they're, incompetence, they're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm deadly afraid of at work. Like like I have all this new responsibility. <laughs> God, I hope <laughs> <laughs> that—that's—that's that's what happened to me at work. Now I'm now I do our billing. <laughs> you outsource your job to China. <laughs> you know, I was—I was actually thinking uh, one of the more subtle things that I really like about the games that I like the most that D and D does not do is scenes. Yes, For the, the framing. The framing. Of the game in terms of scenes, I think goes a massive distance. If D and D, just if you just had three five with scenes, there would be more story. If you just framed it that way, it's weird because there are encounters. Yeah, there should be scenes, but there are somehow not. Well, here's the thing: all of the things, all the all the mechanical things that like, or all the the things that don't require explicit rules to do, um, that are good. Aspects that have sort of been codified in in the the the, the post forge or whatever you want to call it, indie game movement. Good DMs were already doing a lot of those things. Like good DMs frame scenes. Blake actually is pretty good at framing yeah, scenes. Exactly. But he doesn't think of it as framing scenes. But if he thought of it as framing scenes, it would be even better. So in Pumpkin last campaign, there was a couple of times when a scene had clearly exceeded its usefulness, and we were just all sitting around looking at each other, and I would go. And scene, or and then we hard cut to us being there. <laughs> I actually said that out loud. I yeah. think I pissed him off a little bit, <laughs> but it certainly didn't help hurt the session at all. Yeah, we're gonna have to insert some pumpkin with there. The D session, the the uh, what was it? One piece. Yeah. At least you guys were playing like three or four parties or something, right? So, yeah. so we could cut back and forth. Yeah. And do all that and stuff. Yeah. With D and D, you know, the rule in D and D rule. Negative one before even rule zero is don't split the party. Yeah, uh, and but you can still so so the the tendency with like the old school D and D parties is to just role play every single. Now we're gonna walk to the temple. All right, roll the random encounter table. As opposed to let's cut to three weeks from now when the invading army is on the horizon. Because really, was there anything else interesting you were gonna do? Yeah, you've got to spend all your gold and get better equipment. Yeah. What about that ammo? Yeah, you've got to. Dungeon World has a move for that. <laughs> when you go carousing at the tavern after oh, the yeah, adventure. Yeah. <laughs> God, I want to play that game. But, <laughs> but the the scene mechanic, I, I think, if you just put it in a, a DM's guide, that would improve a lot of things, and it, yeah. it wouldn't require any change to the rules. None whatsoever. at all. None it's at just all. a way of thinking. No. I was just going to say, I know that I'm not nearly as experienced at this as you guys are, but it strikes me what you're saying about this, because my first and really my only real D&D campaign was a very, very, very highly modified and hacked thing that reminds me more of Apocalypse World than apparently what D&D is actually like. <laughs> and it was, and it's because it was at, like, Holland's University and we were all creative, creative writing people. Well, not me, but it was lots of writers, and they it was based in scenes, and there was lots of talking, because we were girls. 
You know. <laughs> D&D with girls is a D&D much better experience for story gamers than D&D with boys. Yeah, it was really exciting. And do, so I do not play in all male yeah. groups except for pickup games. That's actually one of my personal rules. <laughs> yeah. Because for D&D, for D&D. Well, I mean, for this for any any of this stuff because it adds a completely different dynamic to the mm-hmm. group. You have just a bunch of boys sitting <laughs> in the basement rolling dice. Well, you do jump. not get Whoa. a Don't make fun of my Tuesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> don't make fun of my basement. We should make fun of your basement. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's we scary. Don't you don't want to actually make fun of it. It'll probably like, come up it and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> have you been down there? No. I, I didn't know there was a basement. There is. No, okay. The stairs go like this. <laughs> <laughs> they are hands and it is terrifying. <laughs> it it, it, it literally like takes labyrinth. a 45 degree turn halfway down, and the slope is steeper than 45 degrees. <laughs> it's it, um, terrifying. <laughs> it is. Like, don't even think about going down there if you've had like a beer and a half. Like, I'm not kidding. Um, well, that just makes it an adventure. Well, you just have a ramp. No, that means that you're not coming back up. <laughs> Have you thought of a pulley system? Though? You get a harness, <laughs> put it in the center. Uh, uh, again, unfortunately, the the vertical scope of the stairs line. is about three feet by five feet, like square. That's the footprint. Um, <laughs> so it's a death trap. Yes, yes, that's a good way to put it. Um, you could call it that, I suppose. The carpenter was making your thought. I want to kill someone. <laughs> I'm going to make this. So was, do oh, I have to pay for the insurance policy on this? Nope. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if we can fit this in. <laughs> he might have challenging himself to see how small he can <laughs> go back to space he can fulfill the stairwell I, th- I think it's more a matter of they got sick of blasting out the bedrock. Um, because the the basement is is got a little bit of concrete to make the floor fat, flat, but there is a huge section under that room where the rock that the house is built on is like between two and five feet from the ceiling of the basement. Like there's this kind of like weird slopey thing. We kind of um, have to see You this. can see the rock. Yeah. Well, we can't go down there. It's, it's a right. death trap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you can go look at the stairs if you want. You, you probably know. won't want to actually go down once you see them. <laughs> Just... <laughs> just at the other end of the kitchen. So I'm sorry, we derailed your thoughts. Oh, no, um, no. It was just the, you know... It, it's interesting to sort of come back around to the role-playing that I really, really loved and always thought, I guess I love D&D, but apparently maybe I don't. Um, you no, like you like good D&D. I like role-playing. Yeah, yeah, like okay, yeah. Here, I mean, and I'm not experienced enough with it. D&D you know. is a lot of things. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been playing... D&D is purely subjective. Fourth edition like is art. really like the seventh edition of D&D. More there's, or less, There's yeah. D&D, there was AD... Well, there was there was the original D&D, which was basically Chainmail, but a little bit fancier. Then there was D&D, then there was AD&D, AD&D, second edition, third edition, 3-5, 3 Oh, yeah. 3-5. Pathfinder's in there somewhere. Yeah, but Pathfinder <laughs> came out after, after fourth. fourth, so it's... And it's not really D&D. Per se, yeah. I mean, I mean it is. But it's certainly not. But it is still not still D and D. Twenty fantasy with the entire D and D plan and the entire D and D rule. And then there's swords and sorcery. You know, I I, I played <laughs> I played D and D with a group where uh, we 
we bear, we was ostensibly a fourth edition campaign, but we rarely rolled any dice, mm-hmm. and frequently the. DM was under the influence of a variety of substances. Not <laughs> um, just by drunk MCing. <laughs> no, no, no. 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 It happens evidently. I've seen a couple of those apocalypse world APs, and it's not a little. It's, you know what? It's fine. Yeah. Fun. You're playing apocalypse world. You're supposed to have a little bit of juice. <laughs> a little is the key. A little is the I key. I mean, I do remember a, a certain Iron Kingdoms campaign where, yeah, one of the guys, the, the DM, basically. Passed out uh, in somebody else's lap because he had had so much <laughs> uh, to drink. I mean, that was the last session. D and D is uh, often whatever your group brings to it. I mean, like it, you look, again look at the One Piece campaign. It is almost, but not entirely, unlike D and D, and yet it's totally fourth edition D and D, like almost exactly played by the rules. Yeah. So, I mean. The strength wasn't just in the reskinning. No, it was in this. It was in the the collaborative, um, and I think this is actually another big thing. We all had the same creative vision for the game, or we all had overlapping, strongly overlapping creative because, visions for the game. Because there was a single source material, exactly, which we all watched and we all which familiar dictated with. arc and scene structure, which actually makes a huge di- yeah. difference because everyone already knew what the scene should look like before we came in. But as long as the whole group. Is on the same page as for as far as what you're doing in D and D. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. You can use some of the rules, all of the rules, no, none of the rules, <laughs> any set of the rules. Negative half of the rules. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I, I've played with groups <coughs> that like did all sorts of wacky things. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you roll a twenty, then it's not just a crit; you get to like attack again mm-hmm. or. Which is why I think gaming groups like sort of ossify and stay together because mm-hmm. especially if they're playing a game as complex as D and D because they found the one way that they like to play together mm-hmm. and it you know and then it's like and then when they play with somebody else you're like you're doing it wrong yeah <laughs> um, well and I've definitely felt on the other end of that but just from playing and like being excited about fourth edition and then you know a DM is like well I really like this rule that we used in second or this rule that we used in third or both. And we're going to keep using them, even though they kind of break the game. Mm-hmm. Or, or, in my mind, break the game. Well, that's that whole, you should try playing the game as written before you decide that you need to house rule something. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you know? game designers spent years working on that. Probably no better than you. Uh, I think that's one thing I kind of mm-hmm. like about the whole <coughs> Apocalypse World style games, is uh, the, the wording in the playbooks and in the books gives you a kind of sense of the style but you can do with it what you want and then you can take what the players should do and just meld it all together and it's not you know because the rules are simple and they're not super codified it doesn't you know but you are stupid the, the rules are, are vague in the narrative area and they're mm-hmm. vague in the detail area but they're actually they're actually quite I mean he says say what the rules demand. That's mm-hmm. one of his commandments, right? Sure. You're going by the rules, but the rules allow you that narrative flexibility because they don't specify the specific details. It is not a, you know, that weapon is a three-harm loud reload. It's mm-hmm. not a, oh, oh it's this type of ammo and with these bullets and you have this many of them and, you know. That was one of the things that kind of almost was a stumbling block, I think, is like some of the people were wanting to know... What, all right, so what does my gun do? I was like, well, what does it say? <laughs> what does it say? And, and, well, because I, I didn't know what gun he had. And he yeah. was like, well, this this one is uh, 
you know, want to harm close loud. I'm like, well, that means if you shoot someone, it does two harm. You use it at close range, and it's loud. Well, it's close uh, range. Mm-hmm. Well, it's close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, no, it was. It was actually um, the driver's Certainly other car. other the driver's car because he took my other car as a tank. He's got a, a Mercedes and a van, both of which are slow. He didn't take any fast cars, but the Mercedes has machine guns on the front. So the Mercedes is the tank, not the van. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. Nice. Uh, I, I, it's my other, my other tank is a car. Um, <laughs> but, uh, my, my other tank is a yacht. Um, <laughs> actually, the speedboat was the tank. I know. That's why I said that. Oh. Yeah, I suppose it's very similar. But he was, you know, asking, like, what, what is, uh, uh, I think it was actually, like, three harm, close and far, loud, messy yep. area. What what does that mean? I was like, well, if you, it's area, so it hits lots of people. It's messy, so it's gonna fuck shit up when it hits lots of people. It's three harm, so it's probably gonna kill all those lots of people you're hitting. And it's close and far, so you can use it pretty much wherever if you can see them. And and, you know, once once I'd explained it, it made sense and everyone understood. But like, that's that kind of game. they, they, They they were wanting wanting, I think. More mechanics. Yeah, they want to hear it is X meters. That really confused me because when I was playing a battle babe, Mm -hmm. the first choice I had to make on the sheet was what is your custom weapon, and I was like, I have. What does this list mean? (laughs) But you know, you picked two really good custom weapons. Seemed that way. But you know the thing is, Duncan, you couldn't have picked wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, but at the same time, when I changed the flavor, when I looked at it. You know, never played Apocalypse World before ever. I was like, "What am I picking?" That's the movie. <laughs> no, that's actually a different movie. Well, that's from Facts. <laughs> really? What was the other one from? Lost City of Carrie. Oh, that is a movie you should see. No, you, no, you, guys, you shouldn't. Have you ever seen the is movie America's Sweethearts? If you like watching Vincent D'Onofrio and necromancer hair making out with Tom <laughs> Jane <laughs> from Punisher, uh, actually, you... can I get just a little bit more? So what was the name? It's some sort of queso. Hidden queso is a uh, herder's cheese. It's oh. um, it's uh, I guess it's an alpine sort of uh, really good. thing it's where it's it's good. preserved in salt brine, so uh. it's got this nice salty, creamy. I assume it's not a cow cheese either, is it? Yeah, I'm. I'm no, it's totally not. from a cow. I'm oh, definitely not yeah, going to okay. be able to wait for that. You're gonna have to have, make that happen. Right? I think it smells pretty awful, but it tastes good. That's how yeah. you know it's good. Yeah, and it actually doesn't taste. <laughs> it's not a strong cheese. Yeah. It's got a little bit yeah. of tang to it, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Most of that's the salt. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's really crumbly good. cheese. It's like except feta. that it's full yeah. of it's like liquid, creamy, and therefore not creamy. really all that crumbly. It's more creamy. Yeah, because yeah. it reminds me of like uh, Winsleydale without berries in it. Mm. Kinda, yeah. Except that it's wet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it didn't have to be wet. I actually kept some of the brine with it because I thought it might be easier to spread if it was wet. Mm-hmm. I usually will take one chunk out of the... Because it comes in a one kilogram like canister. Mm-hmm. It's like 1.5 kilograms of which one kilogram is cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and you take out these like chunks and I put them in these little bowls, but I usually don't put the fluid in with them. Mm. So it's a little bit harder and I can kind of slice it, but I kind of really like... I think the balancing might be juiciness. safer. Mmm... Is it good? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and now you know. 
Well, I so always the, knew it was going to be tasty. The problem now, of course, I is that all the crumbling is going into the, the liquid, so... <laughs> yeah. Find the little chunks of cheese. That's right. Just drain it's it. slime. Nah, it's fine. Somebody can just, like, slurp up the rest when we're done. Potentially <laughs> me. I don't think... Yeah, I'm not going to do that. You know, I love cheese. I will eat anything. But I'm not going to do that. I will put anything in my I once ate popcorn off of Yeti's couch, which was a mistake. <laughs> was it a popcorn? It was covered in dog hair. Yes. <laughs> 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 didn't realize until I put it in my mouth. Now, fun fact, guys. Yeti doesn't have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a few years since there's been a dog in this house. But you can't just like take a couch to the dry cleaners. No, not generally. The vacuum of house. There's it's, attachments for that. It's it's been vacuumed several times. This story works much better if we stopped where I stopped. I know. <laughs> so that has to get under the recording. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> My version of three second rule is a three year rule. <laughs> hey, Will, do you remember that time I ate that gum in your desk? I do, I remember that time. Uh, it was at my parents' house uh, back when Caitlin and I were very young. Maybe like late 21 or 22 or so. That's not true at all. But, uh, so I had never seen this desk opened. It's a desk that existed, but I had never seen anyone open a drawer in it. Mm-hmm. And Caitlin was just hanging out, uh, being uh, playing Goran, actually, <laughs> from uh, <laughs> Criminal Intent. Which is where Raving I just Madden. pretend I'm Detective Goran and I go through people's things. Look, looking for clues and eating food. food. <laughs> Those are the things that Goran does. <laughs> you dominate, go through other people's stuff and you, you perform dominance behavior. So, so Caitlin went into that desk, which I'd never seen open, and, and produced a, a food. And I performed dominance behavior over it by going into it and eating its food. <laughs> no, I, had to, I had to attempt to wrestle the a, gum. A this 12 nasty. year old piece of gum. Now, I lived in that house I for 15 you, years and never seen this thing said, open. Here's the thing, when you said that, I assumed that you would just pulled gum that somebody had chewed and stuck on the bottom of the desk? No, 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 no. no. Yeah, I was, this, I was this picturing, is like, bedpost gum. No, no, this, no is, this is gum that had been in that cabinet for at least 15 years, if not longer. Oh, I believe you. Oh, man, you didn't tell me it was that long. Yeah, it was 15 years, Caitlin. Well, it was a rock by the time it was in my mouth. I believe it, because it's 15-year-old gum. Like, I could not detach the wrapper. I'm entirely unsurprised. You ate it wrapper whole? Wrapper's <laughs> no, the best part. The wrapper... <laughs> I do that sometimes it, it, when I'm too lazy to it's the, way, the skin has the vitamins in it. No, the wrapper... Unless it's metal and you've got to, fillings. I was able to get the wrapper off once it was moistened by my mouth. It was part of the game. <laughs> Look, this is a character who has said things like, it's a mixture of cape batter and glue after tasting something. You you have to be able to know these things. <laughs> Okay. Unless, unless you've eaten cake better glue before, <laughs> you wouldn't know. Yeah. You wouldn't be a very good detective, would you? I don't think I've ever eaten them at the same things time. things in your mouth. Now, okay. lesser detectives would send that yeah, to the lab. I haven't eaten both of those things, though. Gore doesn't have time I'm for that Gore. shit. Not <laughs> Gore. Like, no, nope, in my face. <laughs> it appears to be terrible, terrible rat poison. <laughs> and a lot of it. It's okay. It's going to crash. I've spent the last five years building up an immunity to rat poison. <laughs> as long as it's that one brand. other substance. <laughs> <laughs> Cake batter and glue is by far the, the best. Mm-hmm. Pretty on good. That show. It's pretty good. I have an enormous container of Altoids at home. 
that is now ten years old. And every once in a while, it resurfaces, and I eat an Altoid from it just to troll Wendy. <laughs> nice. Because she got it for me for, like, my 16th birthday. <laughs> that That is an even better... Uh, yeah. yeah that's, uh-huh. She knows exactly how long it's been around. <laughs> hey, honey, remember that time you got me Altoids for birthday? Yeah. Every year you're going to find out about that again. <laughs> it's like the That's wedding mean. cake topper tradition. That's super <laughs> gross. What? A year after your first anniversary, you're supposed to like, take your wedding cake topper and freeze it, and then a year after on your anniversary, you're supposed to eat it. That's, that's so we ate it all when we came home from our honeymoon because it was really tasty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So instead, um, I just bake or buy her a nice cake every year on our anniversary, which is really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. nice. Probably tastes better too. No, no, I can't make a cake nearly as good as no, our wedding. That's cake. not what I'm. <laughs> but if you had preserved it for however long, no, re- <laughs> dang, yeah, then I cannot even blame you for eating it immediately. Exactly. That, that's of course, it was a fabulous. Cake. That's ridiculous. I can't blame anyone for eating anything. <laughs> <laughs> also true. I sometimes blame people for eating my stuff when I haven't given them permission. Well, it was really tasty. <laughs> That's why it was mine. <laughs> I couldn't eat Yanni's pizza once, so I got an identical pizza so I could get the simulation of eating Yanni's pizza. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> I don't even believe that. I, I almost didn't believe it. I was like, you know, they've, they've, they've got like meat and chicken and stuff. But I wanted you to put your pizza. pizza, Yanni. I wanted your pizza. Yeah, it's true. Wait, is this a true story? Yes. yes. I came into Fun and Games with like a pizza from the cellar, and I was like, "Oh, I've got lunch. I'm so happy." And Will was like, "Ooh, that looks really tasty." And I was like, "It's going to be." Pizzas from the cellar are really good. And then yeah, here's they like their barbecue chicken pizza. Is Hi, cellar. Give me the pizza that you just made. Make another right now. It's like everything I want on a pizza: cheese, barbecue sauce, chicken, pizza. I like, I like uh, pesto with chicken. Mm. Chicken, mm. pesto, oh, broccoli. Yeah. Yeah. We should all go to PK sometime before session. <laughs> it's not terrible. I mean, that's just idea. a thing. Like, that, is, that is not a bad idea at all. This podcast is fully copyrighted by its hosts. Visit us at podcastmagicmissile.com. I podcast Magic Missile. Attacking the darkness since 2012.